Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, G, U, corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Good morning, Brock. How are you now? Good morning, Paulie. I'm doing well. Doing well. You guys good on this little Tuesday? You guys have a lot of Tim Tebow talk. Don't say Tim Tebow. Can't mention Tim Tebow. He's been mentioned 1,633,000 times on ESPN this morning already. Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow. We've been talking more about another ex-New York Met because that's what Tim Tebow is most known on. We're talking, of course, about one Jared Kalnick, Brock, because... Oh, what's in the news with Jared? What's happening? Thursday... He's coming to the big show. He, he, he worked on everything he needed to work on. That time was well spent in AAA, Brock. He just needed the four games to get everything sorted out. Now he's ready to come up. So Mr. Mather said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so question one, Brock. You're a yes. lifelong Seattle guy. How many Seattle athletes have actually lived up to the hype? There's a lot of it right now on Jared Kalnick's shoulders. A-Rod lived up to the hype. Yep. Ken Griffey Jr. lived up to the yep. hype. Felix? Felix lived up to the hype. Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, what was there was hype for me was Sean Kemp because Damon and I uh, in the old <laughs> what used to be the old video room on uh, on Ninth Street in Puyallup, where my dad had six million tapes to record every game that that was ever on. Uh, Damon and I like recorded over one of his games to watch this kid out of high school in an in an all star game in Indiana, the the state championship basketball game in indiana and we're like who is this guy this is unlike anything i've ever seen before so i don't know if there was as much hype with gary payton or sean camp or some of those sonics guys baseball just builds it right baseball builds it through the minor leagues baseball builds it if if you're number one one the draft is nowhere near as big in baseball as it is in football and even in basketball but when you get that star that is looming that you can see him just just shooting through the sky and oh my gosh it's going to land kind of like that satellite did in the indian ocean like oh my gosh it's going to land it's going to land it's going to land it's griffey it's a rod it's Felix to a degree, and I think it's Kelnick. But I think those three guys all did live up to the hype in many ways. Biggest bust in Seattle sports history. Is it Curry? Mm, he's, he's way up there because there was a lot of hype about the next Lawrence Taylor. There was Number four overall pick, a linebacker. Sure and he, didn't, he didn't make it through his third year. Played two, you know, two, two games in four quarters. The last thing I remember him was him running behind Bear Pasco, holding onto a towel. Yes, I, I would, I would. You know, many of these Mariners that were drafted in the top five, the Jeff Ackley. Clements and those guys, and the Ackleys. I, I, I have a hard time putting them on that list with Curry. Curry made a lot of money. I mean, yes, Curry he did. Made tens of millions of dollars as the number four pick. Those guys didn't, right? Those guys certainly got some coin. But they never made it past arbitration and into second contracts. So many of those top five Mariner picks. So, yeah, Aaron Curry, unfortunately, way, way up on that list. What's interesting is Aaron Aaron works for the Seahawks now. He's part of the coaching staff. He, he has some thoughts on it that I think are really important. One of the things he said that, hey, he set his goals on getting drafted. And and it was in an uncapped era, and he did make fifty million dollars. Like what? There was life changing money that you earned as yeah. the number four overall draft pick. And because he his goal was that draft status and the financial security, as opposed to 
being a great NFL player. It's not like he didn't care about that, but that like the the, the thing that he fixated on was the draft, and that when he achieved that, it it sort of sure. changed things. I I I think that's an interesting an interesting element of how you go about viewing whether or not a guy is going to live up to the potential. I think or, that is fair, and I think some of that Danny has dissipated a little bit because the money for those rookies is just yes. not what it was then. I think right. in a healthy in a healthy way, you know that that you got to continue to. To strive and, and you know your your next payday is going to be much much bigger than that first one. Whereas in that era, the Sam Bradfords and the Aaron Currys and those guys got such an unbelievable amount up front that yeah, some of that incentive did vanish. I would also say he he just severely struggled with his instincts. That just yeah. is instinctively is a football player in space. He got away with it at Wake Forest. He was so physically dominant. But as far as playing the NFL game and actually being a legitimate linebacker and developing instincts in the pass rush game and the drop game, everything they had to do, that was just a, a severely lacking ability. Question two. All right, Brock, we watched DK Metcalf run, and I, I think I think my review was he did better than I thought. I thought he acquitted himself well. He ran, what, somewhere between 10-3-6 and 10-3-8. I've, I've heard all three different results that people have cited. Uh, he finished last in his heat, but 15th out of 17th, guys. You asked me a question before. I'm going to flip it back around on you. If yeah. Tyreek Hill runs that race, does he do better or worse than DK? I think Tyreek Hill runs faster than DK. I think I I do. I think he does. Now, he's got to do what you said, Danny, as we were chatting about this a little bit off the air before the segment, and that was, is Tyreek Hill going to put that work in that DK did? Many of these guys do, Danny. They spend months working on those starts, right? There there are now workout facilities in Southern California and Florida and Arizona, many former players, many former track coaches, that they spend an ungodly amount of time prepping those guys for their 40 time at their pro day and combine. So you do see so many better starts. DK certainly went back in that mode, much like he dominated the combine and absolutely blew the top off of Lucas Stadium because he put that work in. There are many guys that do that. I think Tyreek just just body type doesn't carry quite as much mass as DK does. And you could see over the course of that 100 meters, <laughs> that mass and, and gravity's effect on it was just like, yeah, yeah. Look at the other. Look at all the other body types around him. It was pretty obvious which one DK was. He didn't even really need to know what lane he was in after about 30 meters. You're like, oh, yep, there he is. Yep, there, there's that guy that is just different than everybody else. Tyreek is built a little bit more like those world-class sprinters are. If he put the work in, and that's a significant if, but if he put that same work in, if he leaned down just a little bit, Danny, I think he would be at an advantage because he just doesn't have so much of that size and mass that DK does. There's a part of me that does wonder, though, straight line speed, if DK might have that on Tyreek. And I, I, I ask that Tyreek only is just fast, man. He, he is, is really fast. So, so fast. I feel like a lot of Hill's speed, though, is also just his ability to be so quick in one direction or another, changing directions, too. And it is. I don't know if that means that that takes away from his ability in the straight line side of things. But maybe I'm just overthinking this one. No, it is. He, he is he is quicker, right, because he is smaller. So he gets in and out. His change of direction, there's no debate about that. His change of direction is faster than DK's. I mean, that's just one of the one of the few trade-offs that when you're 6'3", 6'4", as, as DK is, you're just not going to be as shifty as those guys. But, man, I've seen some tape of Tyreek as well. And, and last year, 
it wasn't quite 100 yards chasing Buda Baker down, but he had a fumble or something that he came in close space. And it was like, that's just, that's, yeah. not, that's not right. You're just at a different gear than everybody else. It was just silly. It was just kind of silly speed. When we see him, you know, split safeties and, and just get in that straight line mode, I don't know. It, it'd be it'd be pretty fascinating. I think they could raise a lot of money if DK and Tyreek wanted to do a 60-meter race and just say, all right, every dollar pay-per-view is going to be going towards X charity. I think they could raise a ton of money to watch those two go at it, two world-class sprinters. Would the winner be able to beat up Jake Paul afterward? Because that would be the pay-per-view event to end all pay-per-view events. The winner gets four free shots on Jake Paul. Got your hat. I wouldn't mind Jake Paul fighting Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Next. Question three. <laughs> I'm imagining a scene in being John Malkovich for some reason right now, and, and I'm not going to ask the question, but this is just something that went through my head in the last five minutes. Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, 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 Tim Tebow, Tebow, Tebow. I don't know why. It's just going through my head right now. Anywho. Uh, let's Did you ahead. ask Clayton about Tebow? Uh, no, I spared oh, him. It's shoot. his birthday. Okay. You can't oh, do that on his birthday. Paul sang, Paul sang to him, though. Yeah, I did. He gave him a throaty. He gave him, gave him a very deep and, and <laughs> raspy voice. Yeah. <laughs> throaty? Like, what a what a deep, deep-sounding voice. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a throaty-type sure. singing. <laughs> nice. Uh, question three. Let's go to some sound of a, a punching bag that's been, I think, a lot of fun for anyone covering the NFL over the last couple of years because we're a bit unsure as far as how he has maintained job security. But Matt Nagy is the head coach of the Mm. Chicago Bears. He was on with Ross Tucker, and he was asked if you can be in both win-now mode and development mode in the NFL. Here is Matt Nagy. Are the Bears in win-now mode, or are they in development mode, or both? No, I would say both. Uh, We feel like right now with this roster that we've built over the last several years – that we, we really believe that right now we're in a great position to, to go out and win a lot of games and win right now. With that said, we do have we are building somewhat of a younger roster now where, where we as a coaching staff have to be able to develop these players that we're drafting. So there'll be a great plan for that. But we're so excited for the future and the 2021 season. Is that actually possible? To be in win now yeah, in development no. mode. You know, you know what word I hate, and I hated it when Danny and I did a show together. Throaty? No, no, <laughs> I hated it with Nick Holt back in like the early twenty. I hated Nick Holt. Period. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> I know you did. But we have heard so many coaches use this excuse through the years, and it's it's honestly is one of my most distasteful words because it doesn't work anymore. It's not an excuse that you can make them anymore in any sport. The, the, young you know we're a younger roster oh we're just young no titus's baseball team at 11 years old is not even young anymore the game is so sped up for youth sports you can't say oh we're just young oh we're youthful it's just young 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 that does that does not work doesn't work in college football doesn't work in ncaa basketball it doesn't work in the nfl it just doesn't work Youth is youth is key. Youth is what you want. A young roster is exactly what you what the salary cap demands. That you got to be right with your young talent, and and they've got to be difference makers for you. And when they are, well, you win Super Bowls, as we saw here. And and, and when you are in college football, you get to playoff games. And you know, so no, I, I'm sorry. Younger, we're a younger roster. We got to develop those guys. Everybody does. 
That, that, that's the whole key to the NFL. You got to be talented. You got to be difference makers, and you got to just produce. Uh, I will say this: it does. As I was listening to him, it reminded me of one of the, just one of the Mondays with Pete that I don't think I'll ever forget. There's a few of them, but it was about midway, about the seventh game, sixth, seventh game of, of Russell's rookie season, and they were, I think, significantly and seriously thinking: Is this just too much for him? Is this uh, this this roster, this defense, this run game? There's so many pieces. That, are, are we just, you know, kind of handicapping him and keeping it too simple and doing him a disservice? And you can remember about that time, Russell walked down the airplane and told Warren Moon, like, they got to let me play. Like, they got to let me play. And then came the Chicago game, the eighth game of the season in overtime, where they let Russell play, and, and it was over from there. So if there's any merit to anything Nagy said at all, it's going to be navigating Justin Fields with a good defense, with some, you know, some difference makers on offense around him, an excellent receiver, are they going to let him cut it loose? Are they going to let him just go? Can they give him the entirety of the playbook so he can legitimately be a difference maker and not just a manager? And that was about game five or six, seven for Pete that they had to make that decision. And when they handed those reins to Russell, as Mike Robb said, going to the buses after that overtime win, we got our quarterback. He turned into a man today, and boy, did he ever. Here's the no-win situation that Chicago is in. So with Seattle, all of that development and trying to win now and develop for the future, which Seattle did as well as anybody, they had one of the best defenses in NFL history. That defense became better over the next two years, but the seeds were there that season. Mm -hmm. And it took a five-game winning streak for them to reach the playoffs that year. Chicago does not have nearly as—their defense is good. It's not a great defense. And they're going to need to win. If they go— if they if they have a losing record this year, it's going to be hard for Nagy to hold on to his job. Sure. And the they, problem is the problem is that you can't that sets the bar so incredibly high. Then you're going to change coaches in your young quarterback who you just traded up for his second season. They are idiots to still yes. be employing Matt Nagy. Yes. That's that's my that's my soapbox. That's a str- that's strong. That's a good hot take on the Tuesday. <laughs> Hundred percent, percent with Brock, you. I mean, Brock, Brock wants to keep his voice off of that at all. There, oh, okay. no, Sounds no, like you got I, no. There. I think that's, I think that's pretty solid. I will, I will say because I know there was a lot of consternation going into that draft. Like, man, if you're not going to give Ryan Pace, the GM, the opportunity to go up and and get a quarterback, if that opportunity is there, then you need to fire him before the draft. Well, yes. he went out and he went out and and and, and got the guy and, and made that move and and didn't have to totally mortgage multiple first round picks and didn't go up to number five to get him, but waited till, you know, he evaluated that board and got him at eleven for what next year's first rounder and I think a, a pretty good deal for Ryan Pace. So now Bill so Matt Nagy's got to do the same thing Pace did. Okay, you know, you're giving me this guy. I got to go out and win. And to your yeah. point, Danny, they got to they got to win. They could probably got to win ten games and and be in the playoffs. And and if so, then Nagy will be the guy for his future. And if not, it will be for Justin Fields, a, a different head coach in year number two. I had not thought about Nick Holt in years. Sorry, and I'm mad. Yeah, thinking about his high. He went on and coached a long time, man. Western Kentucky and some, yeah, he went and worked ch- for Petrino. Yes, and then he went up to Paragon Purdue. of Virtue, Bobby Petrino. And he went up to Purdue, worked for Brom. He worked for the Brom brothers, who were kind of disciples of the Petrinos. And so, yeah, oh. he kind of. I think he's. I think he's still, still cinching his too. pants up to like above his belly button and wearing those little tiny reader glasses and giving up sixty points a game with his god awful axe cologne smelling defense. Wow! Oh, jeez! I did I, not care. Paul, for Nick I'm Holt. sorry. I mentioned the name. Uh, I apologize. 
kind of derailed Brock, the whole thing. This is a, we'll this talk is a to wholesome you. program. Tebow. We'll talk to, we'll talk to you. Tebow, Tebow. <laughs> we'll ta- talk to you on on Thursday, Brock. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Brock. That is Blue 42. Uh, we have Brock with us on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. We always join it. You also can free stream your favorite 710 ESPN Seattle shows at home through your smart speaker. And if you don't have one, well, we might be able to hook you up. Head to 710sports.com slash win right now where you can enter to win one. It's one a day for the month of May. And this month, we're giving you 31 chances to win a 710 ESPN Seattle logoed smart speaker. 710sports.com slash win. And you can learn how.